and welcome to Talking Foosball Extra, the Ausstieg edition, your source for all things Bundesliga 2 and German lower league football. On this edition, we are wondering which Bundesliga 2 side's promotion chances are just as good as your granny's Sunday roast used to be, and which side's hopes for getting to the Bundesliga look like they're toast. And we're going to tell you that Germany's third tier has once again delivered an example of how fan pressure can change things for the better. My name is Nick Viltang, and as always, I do have two lovely people with me. First up on this panel is the man who has celebrated all weekend long since his side returned to the top of the table of the Bundesliga 2. Well, how's your hangover feeling right about now, St. Pauli fan and ground-hopping enthusiast Mike Krikmeier? Hooray! Oh, you're still partying. Well, <laughs> still partying. I started partying on Saturday evening, then I went through the Super Bowl and... Now it's Monday and I'm still cheering. Wow. Well, my other guest, uh, much like me, didn't watch the Super Bowl, but she writes for Deutsche Welle and The Athletic, and she knows pretty much more about football than anyone I know outside of this podcast. It's Jasmine Barber. How are you doing today, Jasmine? I am good. I am not celebrating, unfortunately, but hopefully... You know, not that far in the table, and the Spider Bundesliga is a funny old game, so we, we will see. Yes, 34 matches and all that. Well, in part one of the show, we're going to give you all the latest from the Bundesliga 2, and in part two, we'll be looking at the, well, all the news from the lower leagues, basically. So, all of that is to come. Here we go. It's the part about the Bundesliga 2. And Jasmine, why don't we start in Dusseldorf? Uh, Fortuna decided to say enough is enough. Over 400 minutes without a goal is not good enough. We're letting go of our head coach and we're getting another one. And in came Daniel Thion, who many of our listeners will remember, was at HSV last season, got fired and now has a new job. So what did you make of that appointment? I'm not surprised. I think a lot of us were just waiting for this day to come and was wondering what team Tune would join. I mean, there's been quite a few vacancies available for him. Um, and now he's ended up at Dusseldorf, which I think I'm not sure if it's a good fit or not yet. I think people who followed him before Hamburg, we had him at Osnabrück. And those who watched his football would know they changed uh, formation all the time. It was completely unpredictable. It was fun in that kind of sense. And it worked out really, really well for them. And at Hamburg, it kind of changed. It was really measured. You had this really nice 4-2-3-1, more possessional base. And everyone knows what happened last season. We thought Hamburg might do something once again, had a really good coach. Obviously, that didn't happen. They completely lost the plot. Um, Ended fourth. The the kind of Hamburg vibes we get season after season. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, I think it's too early to really say anything, but team obviously improved we we know of the new manager balance but the real uh, challenge will be in a couple of games in but getting a win over Schalke is a good way to start your new job really I saw that they were in a 
I think they were in 4-4-2. There were other matches that day that I might have been keeping my eye on a bit more closely. So um, 4-4-2 is normally the more defensive 4-2-3-1, so it kind of makes sense from his handball days. But what's good with Dusseldorf is I don't feel like they've had a real identity for quite a while I, since they were relegated and during that season that they got relegated. So he has a platform here to print his identity on it, but it depends which identity and philosophy he actually goes with. I actually watched that match. Yay! Yay! Uh, as I thought it might come up uh, during our discussion. And, uh, you know, I have to say, I was a, I was kind of impressed with Fortuna, even during the first 45 minutes. They actually had the better of the chances during, you know, the first exchanges, even though most of the chances were only half chances. And they really went into the dressing room with uh, a 1-0 deficit that they kind of didn't really deserve. As I, I, you know, Schalke were brutally effective as they tend to be in some of these matches. However, the difference between the Fortuna from the last few weeks compared to the Fortuna of this match day was the fact that they came out fighting and they didn't, you know, go out with their heads hanging down and, uh, you know, admitting to defeat already after they had conceded one goal. And finally, finally, they got their first goal in over 400 minutes. And then Rowan Hennings got his first goal in 448 minutes to make sure of a famous 2-1 win. Now, Schalke coach Dimitrios Gramotzis said that this was an unacceptable performance by his team and he will not tolerate it. Mike, what are your thoughts about this result from a Schalke perspective? Yeah, well, you can say things like that. The question is... What do you want to do? So uh, you can't fire all the players. You will not bring in all the under-19 players. So uh, the only thing that helps in situations like these are wins in the next game. So let's wait and see how this improves for Schalke. And it was not the first devastating or at least um, disappointing performance by them. And like you said, the, that they were in front at halftime, this was ridiculous and uh, so the, the win for Düsseldorf was more than deserved and I think next Friday is the game against Paderborn they need to win that otherwise if the other teams win again it might be a little gap already between Schalke and the promotion places so uh, Gramotzis need to take up speed again. Right. Now, Jasmine, uh, turning back to Düsseldorf ever so slightly, where do you think they're heading right about now? I mean, one win out of the first match, great start, but looking at that squad, you have to say, or at least in my mind, I have to say, that this team should have never been that far down the table. And I agree with you, but I think I've said it a bit with Werder Bremen, and I'm not quite sure how many players they hung on to since they're first relegation um, sometimes if you don't have the right coach you won't progress even if it is players of a good talent and I feel like especially with a lack of identity a lack of confidence a lack of clarity from board level to managerial level that will go down to your players pretty quickly and I think they've just completely lost what Dusseldorf is which is why this appointment could be exciting. I think they've got enough players as well to get them out of the kind of relegation battle that they're in. 
um, Jinshek, Nari, Bozanik. And I think we always say, oh, these clubs are too big to go down and we've seen them still go down. But um, yeah, this might bring around a change of identity and a change of way of doing things which will actually get those players maybe not back to their best just yet but a lot better than where they are and if you look at the bottom half of the table Hanover, Hansa Rostock there are teams there that they can easily bypass because they're only two points away from being 12th so yeah I've, I think Dusseldorf have a better chance maybe not as good as a chance as Sandhausen now because <laughs> Sandhausen always stays up as Mike says but I don't think Dusseldorf will be the three or two going down anymore right and uh, you know I mean you say uh, yeah too big to fail basically it's uh, it's a bit like saying well there's not enough skin left on the race uh anywhere for another tattoo and then you see him the other way go bam there's another one so you know you know what it's like anyways i mean this result was a bit dramatic for Schalke in the fact that a lot of the other teams playing around them did rather well this weekend uh Werder Bremen got another win against Hansa Rostock uh 2-1 on Friday hard fought match this St. Pauli Mike's team they got another win 3-2 over Regensburg, Darmstadt, uh, we'll get to them a little bit later, but I can already tell you now that they played 2-2 against Hanover. And then there were HSV, who played against a direct competitor in Heidenheim. Now, this was the kind of match where I was sort of starting to think, hmm, if HSV are going to slip up in the not-too-distant future, this might be one of those matches, because Heidenheim is a notoriously tough to play against but they didn't Sonny Kittel got two goals a win that wasn't really in doubt at any point of that match wow HSV are really starting to roll right about now right Jasmine yeah I've always had them in my predictions for the top three along with Werder Bremen even though it's been laughed off <laughs> several times no but Hamburg have all I really like Tim Valer. I think anyone who's been a fan of this podcast or me in general has known my admiration for Tim Valter and the way he does football. I know his Stuttgart days didn't go quite so well, but the way he is really innovative, he's got his team playing in a high... It, what makes his team special in a possessional sense in this league as well is that he has constant positional rotation. So if a player plays a pass, that player then occupies a completely new space on the pitch. And this is why they can push forward so quickly and so nicely. And that paired with the high press that they've got going on and the team that they've got as well, it's starting to fall into place for them. As you said, I said one of my outside picks was Heidenheim. I didn't expect it to be almost so easy for them to pick apart Heidenheim. But yeah, I think we have to now consider Hamburg as a serious challenger. Maybe this is the time that they'll draw 1-1 against Dinamo Dresden or something down. But yeah, in general context of logic, 
we have to consider them going up. Right, and you know, you watched them the other week as well when they actually managed to get a whopping 5-0 result against SV Darmstadt. Unfortunately. Unfortunately, from your point of view, but <laughs> yes, it's impressive nevertheless. So, um, Mike, your team is on top, but HSV is only one point behind the right team from Hamburg. Correct. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I'm saying that as a Berta Bremen fan, so I'm, I'm slightly biased here myself. But anyways, um, are you starting to sort of get a little bit worried about HSV coming up from behind and maybe starting to have the sort of run that they <laughs> wanted to have three years ago? Well, I saw a statistic today uh, regarding the places of the last, I don't know, five or six teams going into the match day, every second Bundesliga team played against. And so HSV played in their last five or six games against teams with an average table position of six, which was the second most difficult average of all teams. I don't know if I got that correct now or if you can follow me. So they had a really, really hard program. And I think, yeah, well, Jasmine mentioned that already. So they probably fail not against the top teams. They beat St. Pauli when, when they were first. They beat Darmstadt when they were first. Now they won against Heidenheim, which are a competitor. Next Saturday, they do play in Sandhausen. And we do have that golden rule here in this podcast. Sandhausen will never go down. So I trust in Dennis Diekmeier. <laughs> <laughs> Dennis Diekmeier, of course, a former HSV player. Uh, most famous for, I think, playing for them in the Bundesliga for over, was it 200 matches or something, without ever scoring a goal. Yeah, I think in his whole career now, he scored twice. And this was one goal against HSV and one goal against St. Pauli. Right. So he likes to score against sides from Hamburg. And, you know, talking about tattoos, I think this man has been on the biggest German tattoo magazine's cover, I think, once or twice. So if you're into ink, watch out for him when HSV are taking on... Zandhausen, that is to come. Anyways, I mean, we already mentioned what has sort of been going on with the sides vying for promotion. However, I also promised to, you know, that we'd talk a little bit about the sides that do look a bit like their toast. Because, you know, that pack chasing promotion, it's sort of starting to thin out right about now. Because Paderborn haven't really had a brilliant run of games. They played nil-nil against... Dynamo Dresden on the weekend, which means that they are now, uh, I think, seven or eight points behind the uh, promotion places. Eight. And then we have Nuremberg, who, theoretically speaking, you know, if they'd won their last two matches, they would only be one point behind a promotion place, but they lost the last two matches with a combined goal difference of one goal scored against nine goals conceded because they lost 5-0 against Salad Willis FC Ingolstadt two weeks ago. Now they lost 4-1 on the weekend against Karlsruhe SC, which, to be fair, is a team that has a lot of history within German football, but really is, you know, what you would consider a decent mid-table side, but nothing more in the Bundesliga 2. So how do we expect Explain this drop in form because, you know, up until that point, up until those two matches, Nuremberg looked like they had an outside chance of, you know, being in that conversation to secure a promotion. 
we had around nine teams to have that conversation about just two weeks ago or three weeks ago. And it's funny, the teams that dropped off, Nuremberg, Paderborn, Regensburg, especially Regensburg, were leading the table at one point. I think it's kind of to do... It's, I mean, the 5-0 to Ingolstadt, I have to say fair play Ingolstadt. Ingolstadt has actually won more points than Nuremberg in the last five games and Paderborn and Regensburg. So watch out for Ingolstadt firstly. But Nuremberg, I think teams have started to figure them out. We said, didn't they go on that massive, was it an unbeaten run that we talked about in the first half of the season? They were the only team to not lose. Yeah. And I think we looked at their stats and they weren't conceding many big chances on goal. And I think what's happened slightly, like what happened with Regensburg, is that teams have adapted to play against them. And they're not good to find solutions when teams give them the ball. And that is further added onto a fact when you take in that Robert Klaus is an RB Leipzig man, an RB Red Bull style coach. So he's more counter-attacking, more high intensity. So when teams give them the ball like we have been seeing recently, they just can't find solutions with it. And they've ended up in the kind of way that they are now and they're losing a lot more and have fallen off the pace. Right. So, Mike, do you think any way back into this for Nuremberg or are they basically... Well, never say never, especially in second Bundesliga, of course. Um, but the problem is, uh, first of all, it's only 12 games left. It's seven points for them. And if it's just seven points to get one single team, you can always do that. But... Here we do have six teams ahead of them, which all of them do not look like if they would fail in the next upcoming matches. So, yeah, I, I agree. Um, I, I wouldn't say they are toast, but <laughs> okay, probably they are out of promotion. So when St. Pauli gets promoted, they should look into signing Mats Mulatelli. Ooh. Yeah, I would love to. I don't know if he would still fit, but uh, I would say a player of his class you can always take and so yes i would love that you do need some norwegian singing on that side i you know i mean that's the only thing that's missing from the St. Pauli team right about now and you know even even leo ostigard left and you know there's no norwegian player in St. Pauli right about now which uh, should have been obligatory ever since the days of morton better yeah i agree <laughs> and if you don't know morton better look up his stats for St. Pauli because they're Excellent. He's a Weltpokal-Sieger-Besieger. Well, there, there you go. Yeah. There you go. I mean, uh, <laughs> well, I think, to be honest, I think uh, he is uh, Leo Östigard uh, and Morten Bader actually played for the same team in Norway, which is my team in Norway, Vikings Stavanger, before they uh, joined St. Pauli. And uh, I think one of them did a lot better than the other. You'll, you know, if you Google both of them, you'll see which one I'm talking about. Anyways, the next point I've jotted down in my script is uh, even Ovid had COVID. <laughs> Delete. <laughs> which is kind of a mean rhyme. <laughs> sorry, sorry, SV Darmstadt. Jasmine, you are a lot closer to what's going on in and around SV Darmstadt than the two of us, but even I couldn't help but notice that um, something had changed rather drastically on the Darmstadt bench this weekend. What gives? 
Yeah, unfortunately, anyone who was watching the Darmstadt Hanover game might have not realized anyone on the coaching team. And there's a very good reason for that. It's the first time. <laughs> Why are you laughing? Is it, are you laughing at your own scripted jokes? No. Is that it's it? just the fact that you, you, you said that the guy in charge of coaching the team was actually the heads of analytics, right? Uh, yeah. I, th- I think that's his... I, I might have gotten the title roles wrong because I always forget the title roles. But um, anyone who was watching the game might have realized they didn't recognize any of the coaches. So what happened was both head coach Torsten Lieberknecht and co-trainer Ovid Hadju and also the other co-trainer Maximilian Hahn were all off sick. So we had both the first two with COVID and Hahn with long COVID. So yeah, they had to look further down the bench and the next one to coach was Carl peter Schmid, who has actually taken over two games before as interim coach won them both so he's still unbeaten even in the 2-2 draw against hanover and his assistant coach for the day was timo wacher which is the goalkeeping coach and who was goalkeeper of mines yeah there you go i mean timo wacher i did know uh the other guy, you know, he just sounded like a random German <laughs> geography teacher. So, but, like, also, but 100%, well, 100% and not unbeaten, two wins, one draw. Well, could he be next up for a coaching? Hey, who knows? Who knows? Maybe. Who knows? Things change ever so quickly in, within the Bundesliga and the Bundesliga 2. Maybe Dortmund might be looking for a new coach rather soon and, you know going by that record yeah and also i mean we need mascots as well i've heard uh carson dylan was the mascot for the day as well so you know everyone chipped in to coach the side that day excellent well having <laughs> has it ever oh sorry has it ever happened before that all three like coaches I mean, we had an incident at Arsenal, but... I mean, Werder Bremen had sort of like a very... Uh, not similar situation, but sort of a rather strange situation going on as well oh, yeah. uh, this season when Marcus Anfang retired, well, uh, <laughs> said... Uh, I was going to say retired, uh, <laughs> but uh, you just know he's going to pop up in some Regionalliga Ost, Nord-Ost side... No. I, I don't even think that. I think we're going to get... Come on, there will be a... Dinamo Dresden, I think, was the joke earlier in the season. Oh, well, for me, it's sort of always been Batisabautzen or something like that. But, you know, Marcus Anfang, he had that whole, you know, faking your own COVID certificate uh, <laughs> scandal going on. So he um, decided to, to call it a day. And uh, in the first match after that, uh, Daniel Senkovich took over, who was sort of like the number two under Florian Korfeld as well. Because Anfang's number two, Tom Sichon, Werder didn't really know at that point what they were going to do with him. And, um, you know, they sort of maybe wanted to be 100% sure that he wasn't involved in this sort of thing at all. I don't know. So they decided to get Senkovic on the bench. And then Senkovic got caught COVID. And they brought in Christian Brandt, who I think is coaching a youth team. 
And then Ola Werner took over. So it was sort of a bit chaotic on the coaching bench there as well this season. But um, having both the main coach and both coaches out with um, COVID you know, or something or else, I don't really remember anything like that ever happening within you know the Bundesliga or the Bundesliga 2. Uh, can you, Mike? No, and I think um, it might have happened in the past, but if that would have happened, I think um, it, it happened in a stage where also so many players were involved that the game was postponed. So I think this has happened, but uh, in, in, in these days where uh, no match usually will postpone anymore, um, yeah, it's, it's a very unique situation. I mean, right, Norway is sort of kind of making international headlines uh, because, um, you know, isolation, quarantine, when you're tested post- positive for COVID, gone. Really? It's not It's not a requirement anymore. And um, yeah, yeah, I mean, it's a recommendation. Oh, God. But you don't have to follow recommendations. And, you know, the whole sort of distancing thing is gone. And, um, you know, Norway is sort of... The pandemic hasn't really hit Norway that hard. And I think Norway is sort of like two or three months ahead of a lot of other European nations and has a higher vaccination rate than a lot of other European nations at this moment. So I think that that sort of rule of, you know, you you don't have to isolate as long as you don't have any symptoms might also become a thing. UK is following in the same footsteps, but I don't believe they care if you have symptoms or not either and they also aren't at this moment in time not releasing their testing standard either so uh, then so what that means is the gold standard of testing the all that effort they'll put into it they're probably going to drop that as well so they won't even be able to tell if they have new variants in the future as it stands Hooray! There's never been a COVID variant that has developed in England. Ever. Ever. You know. Not not widespread. You know, nothing has come out of England. Not even on Delta Airlines. All I'm saying. Only cricket. Only cricket. And, you know, if you do like your cricket, you might also enjoy that with a pint of bitter. Which, as we all know, is lovely. Especially as mutton in it. Anyways, I think this is it for part one of the show before we'll be back in part two and talk about all the stuff that's been going on in the lower leagues all right we are back with part two and now we're going to talk a little bit uh, about what's been going on in the dritte league of late and first up uh, there's the great news that fan pressure still does work and when i say that mike what am i talking about yeah, you might have heard already that there are no Monday games anymore in first and second division and this was celebrated as a huge success. So a little bit of history, first uh, Monday game or Monday night match was held in, I think it was 1995 or 94, I'm not sure, uh, between uh, St. Pauli and Bochum. And it became a huge success story uh, for the second Bundesliga because this Monday night game was the only and exclusive TV placement for the second league. And so they had it. And when I say success story, of course, I don't mean that from a supporter's point of view because all 
supporters were they spoke with one voice they all hated it and there were huge protests the bad thing was that it was always only by the clubs from the second Bundesliga and of course the most important supporters groups who might have the biggest influence they got back to League One from time to time and then the protest went away at least in their regional perspective so to cut a long story short the Monday night game stayed for about 25 years and then finally when uh, they at the DFL decided that this would also be a good idea for the first league, then protests were so big that they get rid of it finally. But the Monday night game stayed for the third league and now there will be a new TV deal for the third league um, negotiated in the next upcoming months. The deal still is valid for next season, so we will have another year of Monday night games. But then, when it comes to that new deal for the season after, the clubs of the third league have voted to get rid of those Monday night games, at least, uh, following some big protests, especially Kaiserslautern, 1860, and so on. They don't want to have that, of course. Um, you might... I, I don't know. If, if we do have the most listeners from England, probably they might wonder why we are doing such a fuss with that, because it's a very popular game also in England. But in Germany, it's, it has never had this popularity. And therefore, yeah, finally, hopefully this game will not take place anymore from 2024 onwards. I mean, from a broadcaster's point of view, football is always an attractive proposition to offer on your channel. However, when it comes to um, the Bundesliga 2, you usually do have other leagues that are a lot bigger competing with it in its time slot from from an international point of view. But that Monday night fixture, that tended to be something that broadcasters, wherever I've lived or been on vacation, could run with. I mean, they could run with it in England, as you mentioned. I've seen it in Hungary, Czech Republic, uh, they ran with it in Norway all the time when it was on. I mean, the Monday night match was the only Bundesliga 2 match I could catch for a while, for a few seasons, because the broadcasters uh, that had the TV rights for the Bundesliga and the Bundesliga 2 didn't want to stream the other matches on its streaming platform. So all you had was the Monday night match. So from an international perspective, there are probably some fans thinking that crap there goes the only match that i could watch yeah and we do have the discussion again is it more important for people to watch a football game on tv or is it more important to for example away fans to go or to have the chance to get into the stadium and you don't have that if you are not able to get two days free of work because you need to take Monday and Tuesday off. And I totally can understand the point of view because we do have lots of international supporters clubs, especially in the UK and Scotland and uh, so on. So, oh, sorry, UK and Scotland is the same. So in England and Scotland and so on. <laughs> you, don't, you don't know for how long. Okay. Yeah, okay, sorry. Um, <laughs> so, so therefore, of course, uh, they will be not that happy from that point of view, but, uh, well, probably they will agree it's more important for the away fans to get into the stadium. And therefore, of course, a weekend appointment is the better one. But, you know, 
Now the clubs in the third tier have decided, no, no Monday night matches. And now they're negotiating a new TV deal. So Jasmine, what do you think that that's going to do with the TV deal? Because this vote was actually rather close because there are 20 teams in the Dritte Liga and 11 of them voted in favor of abolishing the Monday night match, whilst nine were against it. And a few of them, you know, placed a few cavats on their vote. There were, I think, three or four sides that voted saying that we should, uh, our idea is to put out both options, uh, you know, uh, TV rush with or without the Monday night match and see if the, uh, TV rights without the Monday match would catch as much money, then we can do away with it. And then there were, you know, other teams saying that as long as we don't have the Monday night match, we're not going to get a good TV deal. So do you think that those teams actually do have a bit of a point? Because now that the Monday night matches are gone for the Bundesliga and the Bundesliga 2, this was sort of in a, from a German point of view, an exclusive Dritte Liga night, right? Yeah, and I guess money will be always be the kind of deciding factor of it. If everyone just wants to... Obviously, there's a big point coming from fans, and I completely agree that you can't always get the time off work. And if it's later in the evening, then you have stuff like trains. I know in England it's a really big problem and everything to do with that but then you've got the money aspect. And I wonder if it being exclusive on the Monday will take something away from it in that regard. And I have to also echo the fact that it's more important for the fans that go there and the TV right money. But it is a little bit of a shame that, especially when it well, when Spider-Bundesliga didn't have the Monday game anymore, I think it did push the decision for especially UK broadcasters not to show it the Saturday late match because we always had the Monday night match. So it, I, I, it's a really hard, really hard argument. And you can tell it's really hard if basically the clubs were also split because 11-9 is not, a, it's not a big majority, is it? I think it's it's especially difficult at the moment because of the pandemic situation. If you do, if you would have done that request before the pandemic, maybe it was would have been I don't know sixteen to four or something. Uh, but no, they all do have big financial issues, and therefore, of course, it's more difficult to say no to TV money. Yeah. Yeah, and I don't know what the actual. TV rights deal or who it's going to be but right now it's with Magenta and I'm not sure of the viewership on Magenta versus other platforms so that's probably another thing you'd have to take into account because the Dresdenliga is not one that I watch most of because I don't have that Magenta platform to watch it. Well, they, they do. Magenta actually outsources some of the matches to some other German broadcasters from time to time like local broadcasting stations right? I mean, I I think I caught the... I think that SVR showed the Kaiserslautern Magdeburg match the other day. Yeah, but that was not on the Monday night. That was not on a Monday night. No, 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 no. But I mean, in terms of Magenta being the broadcaster yeah, okay. uh, and the availability yeah, to, yeah. to, to getting matches, I think that uh, Magenta actually does source out, source out some of the matches too. I mean, in, in Britain, you've got the BBC and in, in Germany, you've got... 
two public broadcasters, and one of them, I think, has like sort of these local sub broadcasters. Yeah, correct. It's the, the the first channel, so ARD, and they do have those regional channels. And on that channels, I think it's part of the deal of the TV deal, and uh, they are allowed to show uh, certain numbers of games each season. There you go. So, I mean, the TV reach not only on Mondays but uh, otherwise as well is you know decentish. Compared to the Bundesliga, where you get only two matches on public television. Oh, yeah, probably the first game and then the relegation games, I think. Only on match day one. Isn't isn't there a start to the Rolikondo as well? Anyways, just one more thing I wanted to mention about all of this. Uh, You know, we said fan pressure does work. And, you know, there were, as you mentioned, Mike, there were... Fan protests by the fans of 1860 Munich, Eintracht Braunschweig, Kaiserslautern, and um, even the fans of SV Meppen decided to make their voices heard. Well, unfortunately for their club, it wasn't really their voices that they spoke with, but they spoke with whistles. They had a lot of whistles at that match against Victoria Köln, and that forced the referee to uh, postpone the kickoff by some minutes because there were... <laughs> too many whistles in the crowd and he even had to take a little break during the match to you know calm the whistles down in order for the players to uh, be able to follow what was going on in terms of the officiating going on on the pitch and um, you know I think it was a brilliant protest uh, the DFB disagreed and they said S4 map and here you go he is a 3,750 euro fine the DFB big fans of democracy and protests right they are a brilliant bunch brilliant <laughs> bunch anyways talking about dritte liga and we're talking about traditional clubs fc kaiserslautern they are on a 10 match unbeaten streak and i mean growing up in the 90s i saw kaiserslautern play in the champions league playing against barcelona having magical nights at the betzenberg which um is sort of a mystical place in terms of German football folklore and now they're playing in the third tier after a lot of mismanagement and you know if you want to talk about the mismanagement that's been going on at Kaiserslautern you could fill an entire podcast series about that but never mind that now they're on a 10 match unbeaten streak they played 2-2 against Magdeburg on the weekend uh Jasmine yeah, it's really funny because Kaiserslautern are now in second, three points away from third with the game in hand. So they could even increase that to six points in safety into their promotion spots. They probably won't catch up to Magdeburg, who are 12 points ahead. And we talked about Christian Tietz's team before and how well they're playing. But Kaiserslautern has not come out of nowhere. As you said, it's been a 10 game unbeaten run, but compared to the start of the season and how kind of dodgy they were, no one probably saw them actually fighting for promotion. To give a little bit of background on this team, they've basically become, to use an American phrase, an all-star team of the Dritte Liga. They've got um, René Klingenberg, who was a former Dinamo Dresden player, Maron Ritter, You've got Cesar, who was from Heidenheim, Redondo from Furt, and they've created this <laughs> kind of, I'm not sure what the average age of their team is, but uh, a kind of superstar old boys club in that, in that Fischer Liga, and 
they've closed opponents out. They've only conceded 15 goals in... Uh, what game week are we in? 26. 26. And the only thing that worries me about that side is, especially if they do go up, is that they don't score many goals in a league that has scored a lot of goals. So if you look at the top scorer, their um, top scorer is Terence Boyd. And he has only scored eight goals this season. And the rest of them have... I think already got 20 in that league, but that just shows how much that structure... Ah, but you're forgetting one thing about Terence Boyd, and he arrived on a winter transfer from Halish FC, which means that he's only scored one goal for them in, in his three matches there. And if you look oh, at the... the yeah, oh, uh, God. And if, I think, I think uh, the most goals... That have been. I think there are several players on on five. There, there's Philip Hercher, who is a is a defender, and Boris Tomiak, who is a defender. Both of these guys are on on five goals, and then <laughs> and then and then there is a striker Daniel Hanslick, who's on five, and additionally there's Mike Wunderlich, who's on five, and Mike Wunderlich is actually thirty five years of age. Yep. Very experienced team. Yeah, I mean, if you've got players my age, <laughs> yes, you've been you've been around the block a couple of times, to say the least. But yeah, they've just <laughs> built this. They've just built this squad full of like all the all stars, and instead of scoring goals, they've just shot opponents down. I'm surprised they scored two against uh, Magdeburg, to be quite honest with you. But yeah, it's working for them because I don't know a single team in that league that knows how to defend. So, yeah, I, I'm all for it. I'm all for them going up along with Magdeburg. It will be great fun next season. Right, what do you make of the coach? I mean, uh, Marco Antwerpen, to give you a bit of his uh, CV, uh, he had a dreadful stay at uh, Würzburger Kickers last time around. He, he was employed somewhere because he joined them on the 29th of September in 2020 and was let go on the 9th of November <laughs> the same year. Before that, he was a coach at Braunschweig for um, a little, little more than one and a half years. Before that, he coached uh, uh, Preussen Münster for a little more than one and a half years. And yeah, other than that, he's had one and a half years at Victoria Cole. So he's been he's been a coach. He's been around this division or at this level for quite some time. So what do you make of him? I mean, is he sort of the, the perfect guy to get you out of the Dritte Liga? Or does his record of never getting out of the Dritte Liga actually speak for itself? I think that speaks for itself. I, I can't. I can't even remember him. And I mean, two months as Versberg and his time at Braunschweig just kind of proves that much why I don't probably remember him. I'm surprised he's doing so well with the maybe. Do you think that's more of a players outplaying their coach? Maybe. I mean, maybe. I, I, You know, I mean, looking at that squad, you do have a bit of experience there. I mean, John Simmer is playing for that team as well, for instance. Um, he's he's their captain. And he actually he actually was at Kaiserslautern the last time they played in the Bundesliga. So there you have a player who is almost my age. My my favorite bit about Marco Antwerp, is, by the way, is, is, is the fact when he was at Würzburg Kickers, they were still in the, in the Bundesliga 2, uh, were struggling. And um, 
Felix Maggot, after a few defeats, was asked, what do you think about your coach, Marco Antwerp? Uh, is, he, is he going to stay? And he said, yes, the coach can keep working calmly. He can, he can, you know, he can work in peace and quiet. And a couple of days later, he fired him. And when he was asked about the previous statement, he said, yes, I said he can work calmly, but uh, he can work calmly somewhere else now. Which, <laughs> you know, Felix Maggot. Gotta love Felix. But yeah, anyways, it's going to be exciting to to see what Kaiserslautern can do. One game in hand, uh, three points ahead of the uh, promotion playoff spot. So things are looking well, but as in the Dresden Liga, things can turn on its head even more quickly. Anyways, one, one last bit of news before we get to the ground topping segment, and that is Kickers Offenbach. They get to keep their stadium name, uh, which is Biberaberg. Now, Mike, why is that a significant bit of news that a side playing in the fourth tier of German football gets to keep its stadium name? Yeah, and uh, taking a look at the clock and how many minutes we already filled. And uh, I think this is a good chance to combine this point with our ground topping tip today. So, uh, yeah, it's the stadium at the Biberaberg of Kickers Offenbach, like you said, fourth tier at the moment, with a huge history, of course. They also played in Bundesliga uh, back in the past. So uh, I remember personally an 8-1 win of Werder in my youth against Kickers Offenbach. But okay, coming back to the stadium name. Yeah, it, it has been sold to uh, various companies in the past. And the, especially the last one was a really funny one. Because at the beginning of the uh, pandemic situation, uh, a local bank purchased the name. Uh, but they did not name it after their company name. They named it Kommt Gesund Wieder Stadion. So Come Back Healthy Stadium at the beginning of the pandemic. So this was a really, really nice thing to do. And uh, now it, it's a change in that name again. And it will be called Biberberg. Biberberg is, uh, generally speaking, a, a region near Offenbach. And yeah, unfortunately... My supporters club name at St. Pauli is Die Feuchten Bieber, so the Moistened Beavers. And because the, the name of the Bieberberg, many, many football supporters write the German name of Beaver with I-E. And this is wrong. It's not Justin Bieber. It's only the Bieberberg with I-E, but the, the animal, the beaver, is written just with one I and not with an E after that. So I needed to make that statement very clear today. So thank you for that. <laughs> yeah, and uh, going back to the Biberaberg, it, it has a similar history like the stadium in Essen, the Hafenstraße, and it, it's, uh, it has a very, very special atmosphere. And uh, if you have been there once, you will understand. So that's my call for today. You should go to Offenbach and Hopefully, you can do that next year in the third league. I'm not sure uh, they are still struggling with getting promoted and they do that for several years already. This year, uh, they are at the moment, they are trailing five points, but they do have a, a game in hand. So uh, it's still possible for them. And uh, yeah, if, if you don't know where Offenbach is, uh, it is close to Frankfurt. So if you come in from the UK, you can just fly to Frankfurt. Right. And uh, one, one last note about Offenbach is uh, I think the stadium magazine 
of Kickers Offenbach, or the the fan magazine that is sold around the stadium on match days, which is called Irvin. Erwin, yeah. Uh, named after Erwin Kostede. Right. A famous striker who, uh, actually the first black international to turn out for Germany. Yeah. In his day. Man with a bit of a tragic story. Just just one TV tip. Schwarzer Adler. That's, if, I, uh, in Germany, it's available on Amazon Prime, so I'm pretty sure it is also uh, available in other countries, but probably only in German, unfortunately. But it's really, really great documentation about black people in, in the German national team. Yeah, there you go. Absolutely. Brilliant TV tip. But yeah, Evan, the magazine... Get it when you're there if you have the chance, and uh, yeah, if you if you want to if you want to look into an interesting life story, look at the life story of Evan Costa because um, that I could do a podcast about for I don't know three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten hours, but we don't have the time because we've gotten to the end of this podcast, and uh, hopefully you enjoyed it, uh, guys. It's it's been a pleasure having the two of you on, uh, Jasmine. Uh, where can people find you on Twitter, and where can they find your work? Yeah, um, they can find my Twitter at underscore Jasmine Barber and all my articles are there for Deutsche Welle and The Athletic if you want to have a look. And also my Spider and Spider Bundesliga and Bundesliga Valentine card memes if you want some laughter today. Ooh! Did you, did you get anything for Valentine's? By the way, you know, did your sweetheart uh, deliver you a video cassette of uh, Tim Walter's greatest tactical moves or something? Um, every day we analyze Tim Walter's greatest height. Oh my! So, so every maybe every day. It's, it's Valentine's for you for every day. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> well, uh, Mike, uh, did you get anything St. Pauli related for Valentine's Day or? Um, no. And I hope no one will ever present me anything from Tim Walter. So um, <laughs> you can find me on Twitter at Mike Kru and you can also follow the Millantone. <laughs> there you go. I didn't get anything for Valentine's either, other than working an overtime shift. So um, that's my life. Anyways, you can find me at Norm Musings. Uh, you can find this podcast at Talking Foosball. We do actually have a Patreon page, which is well worth a follow. For as little as $3 a month, you can get loads and loads and loads and loads of historic content. Right about now, we have a series called Scandal, which is focusing on the biggest scandals of German football history. So that is well worth a look. Uh, next up on this channel are the Fantasy Boys. They'll tell you what you should do if you've loaded up your defense with Borussia Dortmund players. Probably get rid. But, you know, I don't know. I'm not that into fantasy. So they'll tell you what you have to do. And until next week, it is goodbye for now.